Good morning, Irvine. This is Matt Burt um, with Sports Matters. Good morning. Good Tuesday morning. I got a special guest on the show today, Jason Sass, former intern of the San Francisco 49ers and also quarterback coach. So it should be a good one. We're going to talk about some NFL, what happened this past weekend. So stay tuned. Jason, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. How are we doing? I can't complain. How are you? Good, good. All right. So I have a question for you. What's going on? You saw the uh, Giants post-game press conference, right? Uh, with Ben McAdoo? Yeah. I so, did see that. Would you ever say a quarterback was playing sloppy? I would never say that about my starting quarterback, especially considering that the Giants gave him that head coaching job because of the work that he did with Eli Manning and the preparation and change that they saw in that quarterback. I don't think that's fair to throw your, throw your guy under the bus like that. I think that you need to prepare him for all those kind of situations and – after the game, if it, if it comes down to you need to take the fall yourself, I think that's what the coach needs to do. I don't think the coach should ever throw a quarterback under the bus like that. I don't know. What do you think? I thought that was just ridiculous, to be honest with you. I mean, you're the head coach. You're supposed to – I mean, first off, he did take the blame, but then he started blaming the people around him after that. So yeah. I, th- I thought that was mm-hmm. just – it was very bizarre. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that's, that's just a message that you can save for the owner or the GM later on when you're trying to prove your case. But when you're talking to all of the fans and stuff like that, sometimes you just need to bite the bullet. And in a major media market like mm-hmm. New York is, it's it's just going to blow up. So yeah. I thought that especially was, with Eli Manning yeah. just being the kind of target that he is always. And but, I mean, they have so much scrutiny already. So mm-hmm. I was very disappointed. Yeah. Well, what did you think of this NFL uh, games this past weekend? Um, you know, I'm ready to see some more offense be displayed. Um, I love seeing good defense. I love seeing football played that way. But sometimes offenses just need to put the ball in the end zone more often. You know, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars a year. I don't think that there's any reason that um, teams should be winning games 9-3, 12-6. But that's just kind of happening more and more with all these new rules. Um, and situations that the referees and the league are putting in. I understand that it's uh, helping the defense a little bit in some ways, helping the offense in some ways, but I really feel like there should be more touchdowns. Yeah, scored. I'd agree with that. Do you think that's the cause of why less people are tuning in on Sundays? I think that there's a whole lot of reasons to why people aren't tuning in on Mondays. Um, to start with, I think that when um, our parents' generation, I think that they grew up watching a p- completely different sport um, than we're watching currently. I think that all of people in that generation are seeing the way the game is played today and saying that it's not the same as they grew up watching, that um, whether it's not necessarily soft what we're seeing now, but how many different rules there are and how controlled the games are and how long the games take pending all of the media timeouts and different things like that. I think those are really big contributors to the, um, to the lack of view and, uh, viewership. And I think that there's a lot of other reasons, too, so, on, especially with the way our country is right now. Okay, so I have a question for you. All right. Put on your Roger Goodell hat, commissioner okay. of the football. How do you fix this? How do you fix this problem? How do you fix this problem? Well, I think that they're already making a lot of really good um, steps towards progress. I think that league allowing players to use their touchdown celebrations, I really think that that's doing well. I'm glad to see that the players are taking full advantage of this. Um, They fought for it, and now that the commissioner has given them the opportunity for it, they're taking advantage of it. They're not ignoring that opportunity, which I really like to see. I really like to see how, besides the, the main market games, like the Sunday night games or the game of the week, 
Um, I'm really glad to see that they're taking less commercial timeouts. I think that the game is speeding up a little bit faster. I think that's not only better for the fans, but that's better for the players too. Um, get them on the field, get them off the field healthy, and get them ready for the next week. But I think that there's a lot of steps that still need to be taken when it comes to addressing player discipline, uh, when it comes to addressing a whole lot of things. Honestly, I think that the NFL is doing really, really well right now, but they have a really, really long way to go if they ever want to um, get back to where they were. So you talked about you know Thursday night football, and this week we got the San Francisco 49ers against the Rams. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me a reason why to watch that. Um, I think that there's a lot of really good reasons to watch that. I think that we got a really good um, young head coaching battle coming up. I think that Jared Goff is really going to start stepping up his game here soon. And I think Brian Hoyer is too. I think Brian Hoyer is capable of playing some really, really good football. And I just don't think that he's had that opportunity yet. He's played two great defenses in Carolina and then in Seattle. And I think that just as long as the season gets longer and longer, I think Brian Hoyer is just going to have an absolutely terrific season. Um, under Coach Shanahan and the way he calls, um, the way he runs his offense, having Carlos Hyde back there, having guys like Pierre Garcon, um, Goodwin at a receiver, I think that's really going to help. And then the, the Rams are just an absolute, like they're, they're a modern-day um, like greatest show on turf. Like yeah. Todd Gurley. Oh, yeah. All these wide receivers that they have now, just all these different pieces. I think that they're just such so much young, raw talent. I think that this is going to be a game that you can watch now and see again in five years. And in five years that both of these teams will be fighting for a true playoff spot. I mean, you saw the, the Rams opener. It, it was not even close to being full. Um, yeah, that, that was one of the things that just shocked everybody. First of all, how empty was, but how well they played. Yeah, that too. I, and, you know, besides Jared Goff making the one mistake, and it, it's his first ever two-minute drill in the NFL, yeah. and, you, and you learn from failure. So everyone Absolutely. who's just – I mean, people were dogpiling on him, and it's, it's just not fair this early in his career. Um, and especially he's learned, he's going to learn from this, no doubt about that. But I just think uh, the people who are hitting the panic button already are a little ridiculous um, in terms of Jared Goff. Uh, but so you're saying that it's two of the younger teams in the greatest show on turf, and I totally agree with you there. Um, so I want to hear who your Super Bowl prediction is for this year. Man, my Super Bowl uh, prediction, if I had to go with anybody, it would be the Seattle Seahawks. I really think that um, they have all the pieces that they need. They need to obviously address their offensive line issue. Not only do I think that they will address the issue via trade, um, throughout the season, but I think that the line will just progress better and better and better as it did last season. Um, the only thing that can kill the Seahawks is that sometimes they just have games where they do not show up. Um, you can see that in recent playoffs, like uh, two years ago in the playoffs against Carolina, they go down like 35 nothing and a half, something along those lines. Um, they just have the ability to not show up and play football some days. You know, they have probably from top to bottom the best roster outside of the New England Patriots. But I do not think this is the Patriots year. I think that um, I think that the Raiders got a really good shot. I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers have a really good shot of dethroning them over in the AFC this season. But out of the NFC, I'm either going to go with um, Atlanta Falcons or the Seattle Seahawks. I think that it 
like I think Green Bay was a reasonable answer, and a lot of people would have thought Green Bay, but after watching what the Falcons did to them, I don't think that there's any question that the Falcons would probably run as uh, NFC. No, oh, no doubt. After that Sunday night game where they just yeah, waxed. that was that was crazy. Julio Jones, Tevin Coleman, Devonta Freeman, Matt Ryan, Austin Hooper. Too many targets. Too many weapons. Too many weapons to go, to go along with that good defense. And and is, when they're firing on all cylinders, it's just it's it's so much fun to watch. I mean, as so a cat, I, I have no, you know. I, my team's the Niners, clearly, and and they're not they're not going to go to the Super Bowl anytime soon. Uh-huh. I well, I hope I so. Think they, I think that the, I think that the Forty Niners will surprise you sooner than rather than later. I, I I agree with you there. I, I'm definitely in agreement. But you got a lot of good young NFL teams. Um, yeah, but back to the, back to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks make that uh, field goal against the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> in Glendale on that Thursday or that Sunday night game, I believe. Um, the 6-6 tie. I think if Steven Hauschka makes that field goal attempt, the Seahawks get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And rather than the Seattle going to Atlanta in the second round of the playoffs, I think that Atlanta comes to Seattle. And I think that is just a completely different game. Wow. Green Bay in the NFC Championship, again, back in Seattle, I think that that all changes. Well, you know, Blair Walsh makes that kick with Minnesota. It's it's a different story in general. Absolutely, but we should have never been in that situation. You know, and now First of all, you that was have the worst, Blair that's Walsh. That's the worst year Seattle has been since Russell's been drafted. That is the worst that that team has played on the field. And I think that there's a lot of things that happened that game. Um, I'm not going to blame the weather, but I think that there was a lot of outside of the game impacts that really did impact the game in a major way. But I completely agree that season. I completely understand that. But last season, we beat, we destroyed, or they, they destroyed Matthew Stafford in the first round of the playoffs. Um, end up having to go to Atlanta, playing pretty well, but we absolutely could not stop Devonta Freeman and Matt Ryan in our offense. So, I mean, the, the problem with Seattle this year is, is their lack of getting the ball into the end zone, um, for sure. That and their not-clutch defense. Not they, had the best, they had the best defense all the way until two minutes left in the fourth quarter. And I don't know what happens. I don't know if other teams' quarterbacks are just really, really prepared every time they play us. But teams just seem to figure out how to drive on the field when it comes to playing Seattle on the in the two-minute drill when they come up to game tying. I think what was it? Three out of the four games last season, we almost gave up leads with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but I mean, you look at how they did at the end of the season, so it's kind of it, it offsets. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, which offense would you rather have at this? Which non-functioning offense? Like I should say, even though that's a little harsh, uh, would you rather mm-hmm. have the Giants' offense or would you rather have Seattle's? Wow. Um, you know, I got to roll with the Giants' offense on this. I think that if you have the Giants' offense backed with the Seahawks' defense, that's an immediate Super Bowl um, contender. Um, I think that Russell Wilson does great things. I think he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks to ever play this game by the time his career is over. I really do think that about him. I think that we need to put more pieces around him, but that's going to come with time. Once our defense um, gets older and they win us a couple more Super Bowls, I think that all of our money is going to be spent on our offense and protecting Russell Wilson and building a dynasty around him for the remaining portion of his career, which I think he has a bunch more years. But going back to the Giants, that offense is just too many weapons on that team. Um, I think that they are one player short on offense. I think that they need to find their feature tailback. I think that spending a first-round pick on their running back could really, really help that team out. I think that they've tried to skate through with going running back by committee, whether it's Shane Vereen or Paul Perkins 
or any of these guys. I think that if they can have one feature tailback that can really make a difference, really similar to the how what, um, what the Rams did when they drafted Gurley or what the Chargers did when they drafted um, Melvin Gordon, I think that they just need that guy that they can depend on and go to play over and play over and play over again, knowing that he's going to get those extra yards if you give him enough um, attempts. I totally agree with you there. I think the other thing that they need to use more is the weapon that they drafted in the first round was Ingram uh, mm-hmm. out of Ole Miss. I, they, I haven't seen him play at all, really. I mean, they haven't really got him the ball very much. So to me, you know, you got to use who you draft. And you use the first overall or your first overall pick in the draft, not the first overall pick in the draft, but their first pick the first round. Uh, it's it's just tough for me to see him not get the ball and not get the touches. I know you have Odell Beckham Jr. and Brandon Marshall. You got so many weapons to throw to, but in in terms of of weapons, you got to spread the ball around. I think Eli Manning needs to do a better job, and he's just a little bit frazzled under a new coach. I I believe in Eli Manning though. He he said all the right things at the end of it. Exactly. How can you not believe in Eli Manning? That's the thing. That's that's one of the things that upset me most about Ben McAdoo's comments is that that quarterback has been the franchise guy for years and years now. Like you got to ride with him the whole season until he's gone. That's your guy. He's won you two Super Bowls. He's beaten Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl. Only quarterback to do that. That's your guy. That's your guy, and you got to go with him. So I thought that you know, it's still, it still kind of got me under. You know, as a as a as a casual observer and a basketball coach in some sense, and you're a coach yeah. as well. It's, it's just you got to hold yourself to a higher standard um, than that. So I thought it was a little bit ridiculous, but. Um, you're an expert on being a quarterback. I got a question for you. What yeah. does the mic mean? The mic? You hear them all the time, you know, over with the mic'd up. They're like, 52 is the mic, 52 is the mic. What does that mean? Tell our audience. Oh, um, from what I've been taught, that's you're identifying the mic backer. So when you're um, when your offensive line is up front, um, a lot of times your defensive lines are going to be doing stunts as in, You'll have two your defensive tackles crossing over um, when they come and rush so that the offensive linemen don't have to just pick up a guy straight up. Um, a lot of the time what it is is identifying uh, tight ends, um, if they're going to go out for a pass or if they're going to stay in passing protection, um, depending if the mic backer is coming off the edge, you might have to motion a tight end over to be able to pick up that blocker. Or if you quarterback identifies that the tight ends in the, or the mic backers in the middle of the field identifies it's only a three-man rush, um, typically you, um, you'll see a tight end going out for a route because there'll be no reason for him to have the extra protection. But yeah, typically it's not always going to be the exact mic backer, but typically when you hear a quarterback screaming, 52 is the mic, 52 is the mic, that's going to be the quarterback pointing out to the, the player on the defense who is acting as the uh, middle linebacker for that current play. Okay, so it all has to do with the middle linebacker kind of mm-hmm. Well, I've always, I mean, like, I never played quarterback or anything, but that that's always something that I've wondered, and I'm sure other people wonder that as well. You don't know half the things that they're saying when they're doing, like, a non-huddle, and they're just, like, yelling a whole bunch of things. So it helps, you know, mm-hmm. it helps understand. Um, exactly, and the thing is, is with these, like, with offenses um, developing these up-tempo sets that they go into, not only is it harder for the offensive linemen to have the time to go to read, like, kind of what the blitz scheme is going to be, but it also, defenses want to kind of disguise what they're doing because if defenses roll out into a cover three and they stay in cover three the whole time, the offensive coordinator is going to sit on the sideline and be like, all right, they're in cover three, we're going to hurry up, we're going to just call a play that we can execute against a cover three defense. 
Um, and what defense is doing now is they'll line up into a cover three. The offenses will cover, or will call in a play, and then they'll roll into either cover two or cover four, or they'll stay in cover three and they'll blitz extra backers off the edge. So I think that it's a lot of the time it's for it's really to help the offensive line identify what's really coming, um, even though you might not see it right in front of you. So you've been following college football a little bit. Yeah, I have been. So what do you think about USC? I think that USC is going to win the national championship this year. I think that they have a decent shot at playing um, Alabama really, really well. I don't see Sam Darnold losing the season. Do you? I I could see him potentially losing. I mean, the Pac-12 is always so daunting, but I think he's definitely yeah. by far the best quarterback in college football, period. And he Absolutely. will end up – I mean, you know, no respect, like no disrespect to Josh Rosen by any means, but I think he'll be the number one overall quarterback in the draft. I know that kid in, in Wyoming is very good, but you, you look at what Sam Donald has done, it's just – it's unbelievable how he commands the offense and how he can throw the ball. And he's just so exactly. smart, too. I mean, but that, that, that Texas game, I saw something. I saw Texas, you know, really wanting to win. And I saw Sam Darnold being very cool under pressure, which is, you know, that's so important to have as a quarterback in the NFL. He did throw a couple of pretty sketchy interceptions, though. He did. He did. I'm not I'm not saying he didn't, but, like, towards the end of that game, he figured things out. And, I, you know, oh, absolutely. he never And I panicked. completely understand that it's kind of ridiculous to claim that Alabama's not going to win the national title since they're the absolute clear favorite every year, and I really respect that. I just think that with all of the work that Sam Darnold's put in and just watching him on film, watching this guy play the game, I just think that there's something really, really special about this kid. So does Alabama lose this season? Do they lose a game? A if game. they lose a game, it'll be in the national championship. Really? Okay. Do either, and I think that I think that all three teams that I think will be in the playoff. I think the college football playoffs are gonna be USC, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Alabama. And I think that I think that this good. year it's a much more competitive um, playoff than it was last year. Last year there was a couple teams I don't really think deserve to be there. But all of these teams, as long especially if Oklahoma wins out, not even wins out, maybe loses one more game. But as long as Baker Mayfield continues to play well, keeps being the guy that he is, I really think that they're going to have a good shot too. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, Baker Mayfield, is, he looks, looks like he's on a mission right now. I mean, Yeah, he, he's just a more, more pro-style Johnny Manziel almost. Like this, <laughs> this guy is just crazy, escaping pockets. He's making incredible throws off of one foot. Just absolutely insane, inhumane things. Things I've never seen a quarterback do before. He's making these plays happen, and it's so fun to watch. I mean, it is fun to watch. It is fun to watch him plant the flag. And, you know, did you hear what he said Mm -hmm. yesterday about why, uh, back when he was a freshman, uh, Oklahoma had, they were, I think, 8 0, and then they went on a five game losing streak. I think it was back in 2012. Did you see what he said there? No, I did not see. So he said the reason why they lost those five games was because of Katy Perry, because she picked them on Katie college <laughs> college game uh, day okay. because the quarterback gotcha. was cute. Yeah, um, I mean, quarterback is a – I don't know what the word for that is, but it's definitely <laughs> a superstitious position, you know. You got your ritual, and you know if you got certain people um, putting extra pressure on you, you don't need that in your life. Um, I think it's really important for the quarterback to stay out of it, which I'm sure he was. When it was his eight, or when it was that time in his career, but I'm sure he's just looking back on it now, laughing. Well, that, that's the captain of the team. You got to stay focused. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that I don't. I think that he is focused. I think that um, maybe that was not taken out of context, but I think that, that was just. Um, I I think that he was fine to talk about um, his team's past. I think that he's learning. He's learned from all of the mistakes that his team's made um, in his career. I think that he's going to be the best 
chance that that school has of making the national championship. So Absolutely. switching to NBA, and the defense now. looks great too. Switching to the NBA, I got a question for you. So, yeah. Kyrie Irving leaving Cleveland means what? The Boston Celtics will go to the finals and lose to Golden State <laughs> this season. I think that's I think the LeBron. Uh, I think LeBron's reign is over. I think that. I think that this is one of the best things that's ever happened to the NBA. I really hope that with with this, um, other programs or other teams that are trying to build these super teams to compete with Golden State, I hope that they can start splitting up and trying to create their um, their own new their own new things. It's really good to see how in the draft there's a lot of really good prospects coming out. I think that's one of the things that the NBA has lacked the last five-ish years is that draft classes just have not been very deep and they have not been very stacked. Now all of these new great kids coming in, I think that it's really going to re-energize the NBA and make it a lot more competitive. But these Boston Celtics, Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Morris, Al Horford, that's a, that's a team. That is a very deep team. They have more pieces at guard. They have more pieces at um, forward, too. I think that, especially in the next three or four years, once their third and fourth overall picks in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown develop, I think that that's going to be the team to be in the entire NBA because I don't think Golden State's going to be able to stay together. Well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I know, we'll see. I know that they got a good shot, but I, I genuinely think that Clay Thompson's going to want to go be the guy somewhere. Um, I don't think I think that he was cool being the third guy, and I don't know Clay, so I can't really speak for him too much. But I just don't see him saying I'm cool with being the fourth guy. Um, let me just stay here when he has the potential to be a number one guy on almost a lot of like almost any other team. So, um, I th- personally, I think Clay Thompson doesn't even know what Clay Thompson wants. So yeah. he, he's going to do it day by day, just like you know. How, he's always how hard is that decision that he has to make? He's yeah, living that. in one of the best cities in the entire country. <laughs> he's just going out and playing basketball on the best team to ever play. Like he's literally living the dream. It's just that he's not the guy. So what, what does he want? Does he want to just to live this life that he's been living, or does he want to to be the guy? I think that he'll definitely have to think about that for a couple seasons before he makes his decision and that's never an easy question so i got one more question for you before we wrap this up um right. who is the most athletic person you have ever played against the most athletic person i've ever played against so in my career the most athletic person i've ever played against is uh buddha baker he currently plays safety for the arizona cardinals he was drafted in the second round out of bellevue high school in washington um you watch out for this guy not only um, he and Miles Jack went to school together, I've been I've played against both of them, but this Buda Baker kid has been a monster ever since he started playing football. Um, I started playing him back in Pop Warner football, and he was the best player in the conference. And he was the same all the way through the end of our senior year. Was the there a moment making, where you're like, wow? Where it was there a moment where you're like, wow, this kid is something special? I just remember when we were when we were freshmen and we had to play Bellevue High School. I just remember this kid just going on just these insane runs with these crazy cutbacks, just jumping up in the air over guys as he's cutting back, not getting touched by a single one of our defenders. That's the, that's the thing. Like, there's some, some running backs who are just really strong in high school that can just go through guys because they're just brushing off um, smaller defenders than themselves. But this Buda Baker guy was never touched. He was just cutting back, getting upfield. He was so much bigger, faster, stronger than everybody that he played against. Um, he always had that huge advantage, and I really think that that's going to translate into the NFL. Well, awesome. Thank you, Jason, uh, for coming yeah, on the you. show this morning. Uh, it was really Thanks great talking me. to you. We'll have to have you on some another time. Uh, sometime yeah, soon. sounds good. I enjoyed it. All right. Have a good day, man.
Yeah, you too. Take care. Thank you for having me. No problem. That was the episode of Sports Matters. This is Matt reminding you to drive safely in the morning. And Kevin will be back next week if you're tuning in to hear him or whatnot. Um, thank you for listening. And enjoy the rest of your day.